notice my new best friend that we are pretty casual around here. Yes, sir. I will notice that. Very casual, Mr. Scorpion. Don't call me Mr. Scorpion. It's Mr. Scorpio, but don't call me that either. Call me Hank! Uh, say, before we continue our tour, would you mind hanging my coat up on the wall, please? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, um, uh, wah, wah. <laughs> Relax, Homer and Globex, we don't believe in walls. Wow. Having a place like this has always been my dream, Homer. What's your dream? Um, to work for you? <laughs> don't do that. My butt is for sitting, not for kissing. Now you tell me the truth. What's your real dream? Your real dream? Um, someday I'd like to own the Dallas Cowboys. I bet people laughed at you when you told them that dream. Yeah. Homer, don't give up. They laughed at me the first time I wore jeans with a sport coat. I was the first wealthy man in America to ever do that. Now they all do it. Telegram. Project Arcturus couldn't have succeeded without you. This will get you a little closer to that dream of yours. It's not the Dallas Cowboys, but it's a start. Drop me a line if you're on the East Coast. Hank Scorpio. Aw, oh, the Denver Broncos! I think owning the Denver Broncos is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, explain to me why it isn't. <sighs> you just don't understand football, Marge. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys, indeed. Okay, Cowboys coming off. A winning streak, they just can't lose. They've got the Denver Broncos coming to town, and if the trade deadline's any indication, they're kind of already waving the white flag. We'll get into that. So welcome in to About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent, and this episode is presented by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And we're welcoming in all three of the uh, best of the best when it comes to covering all things Dallas Cowboys. Taking a night off from his Dallas Stars beat, it's Saad Youssef returning to talk Cowboys and the monologue man from sports and such, delivering those jokes on the weekly. Set your DVRs. It's Kevin K.T. Turner. And as always, from The Athletic, your Cowboys beat writer, Father John Mishota. Let's uh, take it away, K.T. Let's take it from the top. Awesome. No, it's uh, it's kind of a fun week here as we got the Broncos, a team that you don't get very often, obviously, being in the AFC West. But I think the big question that we should start off with is where are we looking at the quarterback position? Notice that Vegas line is still around 9.5 or 10 points. That would make you feel like the Cowboys are going to have Dak Prescott this week. John, what's the latest on our quarterback number four, Dak Prescott? Yeah, I just think with the way Cooper Rush played, I don't think you can give the job back to Dak. I think Cooper just has to keep it, (laughs) and you just kind of see where you go from there. So. Uh, I don't think it really matters what Dak was doing in practice today. I think they're, they're moving on. No, Dak looked good, man. He was doing everything that he normally does during practice. Now, this Wednesday practice was uh, only an hour and 15 minutes. It was shortened because they played Sunday night, and Mike McCarthy is big on the whole, like as you guys saw during uh, Hard Knocks on the GPS numbers, you know, the wear and tear and guys and things like that, giving them time off and things. And because the Broncos are an uncommon opponent, um, they wanted to spend a little bit more time with the team watching, going over film and things like that. So, But out of the portion we got to watch, I mean, Dak was doing all of the drills that he normally does. His warm-up leading up to that was nothing like we had seen last week. Uh, I mean, he still did the cords off to the side, but 
um, moving well. Certainly looked like a guy that is going to be starting this week. Uh, tomorrow will really be the day because when he comes in, as long as he doesn't feel any major soreness from today, uh, then he'll likely be a full participant in uh, Thursday's practice, which will be the first time he'll be he's been a full participant since uh, you know he tweaked that uh, calf injury over in uh, in New England there to, right before the bye week. So yeah, this would be big. Um, so yeah, all, Cowboys fans should be pretty thrilled about that. Probably not as thrilled about not having Tyron Smith out there to protect his, his blind side though. And uh, that is one that, you know, they're getting guys back and things are going well there. But the Tyron Smith thing, uh, I don't know. I think that's going to be more than just a one-week thing. I think Tyron's going to miss some games here. Well, in the past, that means uh, look out below. Here comes some some losses. And now you feel, though, we've seen this is a whole new team than what we're used to. Um, so they can maybe get through it a little bit. Is Tynaseki would be the plan at left tackle. Any chance – are we going back to Lyle Collins starting at right tackle or are we going to go Terrence Steele again? And if Tynaseki did not get the job done hypothetically in the first half, would that mean that the other guy would be able to play? I know I'm throwing out a lot of things that no, kind of seem good. negative, but we have to have contingency plans in this sport. Just Again, it's a shortened practice today, so you can read into this all you want and or or, or read into it. But if I was betting right now, just of what I saw, Terrence Steele at left tackle, Lyle back at right. Okay. How do you feel about that left side of your line protecting Dak's blind side with Terrence Steele, who hasn't played any left tackle, but he has practiced some at left tackle, at least in, in training camp. So that's where he has the edge on Lyle, who hasn't played any left tackle since LSU. Um, so, yeah, you feel great about the right side with Lyle and Zach Martin, but then on that left side, you're going to have Terrence Steele and Connor Williams. And obviously this week, you're happy that you find out that Von Miller has been traded to the Rams. That might be an issue for you in January, but right now you're happy that yeah. you know he's no longer there. Um, but it's very interesting. Again, that's just going off of one practice. Maybe they keep adjusting things, but that, by the looks of it, uh, is this is the lead there. And, 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 you know, you mentioned Tainaseki, and, and I just add that one of the reasons why I don't think they're going there, and this is just me personally, is because Tainaseki is a swing tackle type. I can fill in for, you know, a set amount of plays. I don't think they necessarily want Tainaseki playing the entire game. Also, if Tyron's out for an extended period of time, you have to find your plan for several weeks. And so that's where I think Terrence Steele makes more sense than Tainaseki because of the fact that I think Terrence Steele has shown what he's done at right tackle, that he's part of this team going forward, like, He's solidified a roster spot for, for a while here. And so they're going to give him, it looks like, the first go at left tackle. And if that doesn't work out, then I guess they adjust after that. But, yeah, as you pointed out, a great point there. It's generally when they've been without Tyron, it hasn't been great. Yeah, I also thought, like, Tynaseki was more like the Cam Fleming replacement. Not He's not really like, a, like you know, the Tyron Smith. or I, I don't really view him as, like you said, John, like a, like a true tackle. I, I thought he was more like, you know, what we've seen in the past with, like, a guy like Cam Fleming recently and, and, you know, going back just like those swing tackle type guys. Yeah. And this is, this is where, look, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on getting Lyle back in the mix. I, I love that. This is where you kind of get, you start asking the real questions about Terrence Steele because Terrence Steele feeling, uh, filling in has been great um, way above expectations. Right. So we're all happy there, but technically what you need out of a swing tackle is a guy who can play both sides. 
And I think that's what you're kind of looking for, not only short-term, but also long-term. Can Terrence still be my future long-term tackle, a long-term swing tackle? And can he develop enough to be a starter, you know, at the next level should something continue? You know, I I don't want to look too far ahead and and be grim about Tyron right now. Um, No, but you have every right to be. I mean, if you look at... Yeah, every right to be. I mean, you can't count on him for 16 games, much less you can't count on him for 17. And, I mean... It's not his fault. It's like a Sean Lee situation where it's just like it's, if it's not one thing, it's something else. So you wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't preparing for not having him for a period of games. You would, I mean, that would be that would just you would be awful at your job if you did that. On what, uh, what would your, your basis be? Hope. You operating on hope. Billion do- <laughs> yeah. billion dollar company. You're ho- you're operating on. Well, we hope he's gonna. I mean, you have to have and and to the point where like this impacts the draft as well. Like you have to keep drafting these offensive tackles. You got to keep adding to this offensive line. You're never set there. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're so lucky if you found Terrence Steele as a starter going forward as an undrafted rookie free agent, but you can't bank on that. I mean, I know that you like watching a football team that found, uh, you know, a pro bowl offensive tackle in the fourth round in Bakhtiari, but like, good Lord, that's so hard to do. Yeah. And also like, this is why Panay Sewell was even a conversation piece in the last draft, because this is something that at some point will have to be addressed, and and you know I think the Cowboys will. They they've shown that they're they're not hesitant to do that, but I still think that, like I said, Terrence Steele can't be. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how much time Tyron misses right now and how Terrence Steele performs, um, you know, in place of him. But I still think that this is a position of need now. I also just look at it as like, I mean, Terrence Steele has done done a great job, but it also. It's got to give him some sense of, of ease and confidence that, like, he's been spent this whole entire offseason from everything I heard, just like, you know, following around Zach Martin, doing everything that Zach does from when he shows up to works out, eats, meetings, everything. This is going back to the offseason. You know, that's why Terrence Steele was one of their offseason award winners. I mean, he was killing it. That's why he's gotten better, is because he's, he's killed it in the weight room and he's added strength. And, um, and then so I just, it seems like it's, it's just difficult for me to think that that hasn't contributed to his success of them two lining up next to each other this season on the right side. So all of a sudden you're going to take him and put him on the left side next to Connor Williams, who hasn't been great this year. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I think that there could be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I also didn't think Cooper Rush was going to win that game. I didn't think Terrence Steele would come in and be a good starter at right tackle. I didn't think Cedric Wilson would play so well that you basically forget about Michael Gallup. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, oh, so Diggy Zua stepping in for Neville Gallimore. I know they don't play the same position, but in a way, the way Randy Gregory has stepped up with Demarcus Lawrence being out, I mean, they've had. I mean, Jaron Curse has been so good that he's wearing the green dot on his helmet and calling the calling the calling the defensive plays that are being called in. So, I mean, there's been a lot of things that they've proved you wrong on, but it's just like, at what point are you kind of like, yeah, this is this is a bad move? I mean, again, it's Dak Prescott's blind side. He's been dealing with some injuries too. Yeah, and also I, I, one other thing on that, I would just say is like, look, I think. The bar was also the bar has always been kind of low for Terrence Steele, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But remember what how he was last year. Then we always think about the Chaz Green game, all these different kind of things. The bar is pretty low for what a backup tackle needs to look like. So I think you know, like yes, Terrence Steele has been good this year, but also at the same time, like Tony Pollard missed a protection last week, and the quarterback got lit up. Like you're gonna have to be, like you said, like okay, Zach Martin inside. Helped, help, helps Terrence Steele a lot too. Now, if you have Connor Williams inside and Tony Pollard is missing a block on the outside 
and Terrence Steele is alone at left tackle. Like, that's a disastrous left side right there. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be super grim. I'm just saying, like, just in perspective, like, you better you better hope that Zeke is on pass protection when they bring the blitz. You better hope that Connor Williams is doing his job because Terrence Steele alone is not going to inspire a ton of confidence in down on the left side. And you got to hope that your wide receivers are winning on the outside so right. you can have some extra tight ends out there. You possibly can go with more packages where you're bringing in Connor McGovern, things like that where you're doing more max protect. Uh, if you feel that your wide receivers can win, which obviously that worked against the Vikings. Um, but yeah, you're, I mean, and hey, I give the Cowboys coaching staff credit. They have found ways to scheme things up and, and do some things that we haven't seen them do in the past. But uh, Saad brings up a good point. It's it's. I think that if, if I started watching this team in like 2019, maybe I wouldn't think this way, but I, I, I just, I saw, I saw the Chaz Green years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's very important. It's, it's left a scar for sure. And that's where though, uh, I, when I, when I do look at the game, I think of a couple things like the, the Von Miller thing and who even knows if Von Miller would have played cause he's been, was banged up, but I'm glad you brought that up earlier. And we'll talk more about the Broncos in a little bit, but man, it feels like just when you think like, the the odds of the Cowboys getting like the one seed, it's like okay with the Aaron Rodgers news, and then you know the Cardinals had lost and Kyler's still dealing with something. And you're like, man, these odds keep increasing a little bit that you're going to be the one seed, and the Rams go all in and make a move. The Cowboys, it's not the type of trade we've seen them historically make. And all in, let's just go burn some draft picks and go get our guy right now. But uh, were you surprised that the Cowboys chose not to do much uh, on trade deadline day outside of releasing Bradley and I? I'm not just because I know how, how strongly they feel about what they have in-house on the roster, but then also getting Neville Gallimore back, getting Demarcus Lawrence back. Um, you know, I mean, Francis Bernard, Sean McCune, like they're getting some guys back that they can play roles that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, superstars, but they can play roles that the team feels comfortable with. The other part of it is that you bring in a guy you know, mid season who might not, might not gel with what's working here. And they clearly have something rolling right now. I mean, it's one of the big reasons why Jason Garrett didn't go back to Tony Romo in 2016, because they had something special rolling. You don't mess with that. And so unless they had a a major area where they were like, man, we we need to add somebody right now because we're not going to be able to even stay afloat if we don't address this position, then you stay with what you have. And I know when I say it, some people might be listening to this thinking, well, that certainly they knew that you know, Tyron Smith's been dealing with this ankle thing. And it's like, yeah, when I say that, I also mean like, what kind of left tackle do you think that you're going to get at the trade deadline? And what are you going to have to give up yeah. for a decent player? Like, that's not exactly a position that, so the type of player you would get is probably someone that's right on par with what they've already seen out of Terrence Steele or Ty Nisaki. So that's probably why they're like, no, we'll stick with this here. Um, for the Cowboys in the trade deadline, it was... For me, covering the team, it was never anything about what the Cowboys were going to do. I was pretty convinced they weren't going to do anything. It was about what was going to happen to other key teams. And, and in typical years, we'd say other NFC East teams. But since they're pulled away, I'm not even talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about the Von Miller going to the Rams, a team that you could face later on. I know this one isn't a trade, but you know you got to kind of keep your you know you got to keep your ears up, kind of looking at this whole what's going on in Cleveland with Odell Beckham. All of a sudden, Odell Beckham gets released and he's able to go to like the Packers or something like who need receivers. Like I understand Odell hasn't worked out in Cleveland and 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 he's had some issues with his quarterbacks. But like all of a sudden you pair him with Aaron Rodgers, another team that you could potentially be seeing in January. Those are the things that you focus on more than the Cowboys adding another because the Cowboys do have 
uh, you know, some help on the way, especially with Demarcus Lawrence. So, no, it didn't surprise me that they didn't make any moves. Yeah, I think, I mean, really, other than Amari Cooper, like, I don't, you know, they haven't really done anything historically at this. I, I think, and, you know, Melvin Ingram was, just to see what he went for was kind of like, you know, it made you just pause for a second just because that's also one of those positions that, you know, is just a skill position. Like, like you just come in and rush the passer and do that. But um, I, I don't know how you feel about that with, like, you know, Demarcus Lawrence obviously coming back soon and, and the way that Randy Gregory and other guys along that defensive line have, have really progressed. But I, that, that was probably the only one where I was like, you know, like I, I could have seen the Cowboys, if you're all in on a year, like I could see a move like that working what out. Do, what do you guys feel about giving up a two and a three for Von Miller? Do you think the Cowboys should have done that? I don't just because I've I, seen no, what they can do no. with second and third round picks. You're yeah. getting Von Miller for half a season. You know, I'm, I'm not doing that. And it might no. be hey, it might be the move that puts them over the top. I'm not saying I mean, I mean, it doesn't take it doesn't take any like wild like leap here to, to kind of piece together. Like, you really going to be surprised if Von Miller is to the Rams, what Demarcus Ware was to the Broncos? Like, I mean, it could be that piece. But when I see what they gave up, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I would have done that. Not, not with how well the cows have, Cowboys have drafted in the second and third round. Not a lot of good players in, in the second and third round, I feel like, over the past couple of years. Um, you know, and I mean, I don't know. I, I think Von Miller would probably sign with Dallas. I think that's possible. I think, I, I think it's something if, if uh, you could probably I feel, I'd probably, probably feel pretty good if I was Jerry that Von Miller would want to stay around. I don't it really know. That's a good question. What, what everyone else is offering. The Cowboys too, are different than a lot of their teams in that in that scenario. Oh, for sure. But you know, one thing I, I think about too, and I've I've mentioned this a few times. You know, I do think that Mike McCarthy is capable of building a program, and that's another thing that we always wanted, even in the Garrett years. Okay, can we get the coaches out of the, out of there? Can we not draft guys for Marinelli? Can we let the scouts make these picks here? And I, I kind of do like the emphasis of keeping as many picks as possible. And I understand that we could uh, – I, I actually don't like the Rams' philosophy. Um, they're, they're, they're a little too all-in sometimes <laughs> for me, and I think that will burn them eventually unless you can get lucky and make a trade with a team that's going to give you a quarterback that still has plenty of years in his prime. But like, you know, is it worth it though, KT? To you, is it worth it if if you win one Super Bowl? If you get a Super Bowl of it, is it oh worth yeah, it? I think I, I would have done it for yeah. like two threes, but maybe the second round pick would be the tough one for me. I don't know. I think it. I think it's worth it because they were knocking on the door and and they were a player two away yeah. from beating the Patriots and winning the Super Bowl. And they've upgraded at quarterback. You know, they up, upgraded with Jalen Ramsey. Then they go on this. I I I I really don't hate it. I don't. It's it's almost to me. And I know that these aren't great comparisons because it's two different sports, but like I almost would rather do this than be the uh, uh, 76ers where just like, no, we're just going to keep stockpiling picks. And then eventually this is going to turn into something like, nah, well, maybe it doesn't. Like, I, d- I don't know. I kind of like the aggressive style. Oh, I'm all for, yeah, I'm all for the Ram strategy of if you think this is the year, go for it and and worry about, you know, push the ca- kick the can down the road, and, so to speak. Um, It surprises me a little bit, but also to KT's point, the Cowboys, I mean, they're playing basically flawless. I mean, right now, other than, you know, some special teams mess ups here and, and some run defense issues and depth, of course, we, we, y'all just talked about on the offensive line. I, I mean, I think they got to feel really confident. Like they didn't need to add anything. KT, you're just against it because you love the draft, and if you were covering the Rams, you would, (laughs) uh, your big board would start at like pick 300 and that just isn't fun. 
Well, there, there, there is. So the smart, it's only smart to go all in if you win one. Right. Right. So hit me back when the Rams win one, I guess. Because the, right. the, the, mm-hmm. the way I kind of look at it too is when you have a quarterback that's going to take up as much salary cap um, as Dak will, you need minimum wage players. So for me, I loved everything the Cowboys did in terms of what they did the, at the draft to trade, um, to get two picks in the third round uh, right there. I mean, one of those Eagles picks is, is Oso Digizua right there. That, that, that is the pick. You know, you're able to add Oso Digizua because you went back a couple spots with the with the Eagles. So yeah, like, hey, for free, because like, if you would have just taken Mike at 10, nobody would have even said anything about it. And you would no. be able to get Osa out of it for nothing. Osa made Dane Brugler's all-rookie team. All right. First team, Osa. And Micah, of course. You know, and, and Chauncey Golston's getting to play a little more. Obviously, you didn't expect as much out of him because of his injuries and, and missing training camp. But Kelvin Joseph... Uh, back right. Got some special teams uh, snaps the other night, correct? And he'll he'll be back. Yeah, and soon as uh, soon as uh, in the, in that last couple of plays after Trayvon hurt his ankle, he was the first guy in, so he got to play. I think it was the last two snaps at corner. So it just shows you, I mean, how quickly they could be turning to Kelvin Joseph. It's going to be one injury. I I will say that I do think if Trayvon Jordan and Anthony Brown are all healthy, I don't think Kelvin jo- Joseph gets in much. But if any one of those guys goes down, I think he's the first man up. But I think you have to expect that too. Like right. you said, you can't you can't be like you know, especially with Trayvon. Like I'm not saying like, he's not he's not fragile or anything, but he, like he did miss last year because of injury. He yep. has been in and out with injuries, like you know. So I, I I do think that you have to expect that you're you'll have to turn to at least your depth at at one deep at least. Did Jalen get picked up? Jalen Smith? I haven't I don't seen think so. No. Yeah, mm. Jalen released by the Packers. Uh, wasn't really playing much. He was inactive in their game against Arizona. Packers obviously dealing with some COVID stuff right now, which to me, I kind of view it as them kind of pissing away the a chance at the one seed. And you kind of had the Cowboys, we're talking about dodging Von Miller uh, for a week, you know. And Noah fans like on that. the COVID protocol this week too for uh, for Denver. Garrett Bowles uh out it looks like uh he'll be headed to ir so their left tackles are going to be out uh obviously they're uh, uh bryce callahan out uh one of their cover guys there's the, it, it's a game like when you look at the line and i've seen denver a little you know i haven't seen a ton of denver and they're not a team that you're going to see on national tv a lot let's see a little bit on, on red zone all you gotta do is kind of look at who they've beat and who they've lost to here are their wins it's jacksonville it's the jets it's the uh, Washington football team, and it's the Giants. They are exactly who they are. They are so down the middle as a franchise. And the Cowboys, it feels so good to be able to say they are not uh, so down the middle. They are, you know, really going for it. And, man, it feels like the Broncos just have a thing where they're just kind of, you know what, let's put a Band-Aid on this here, and we'll put a Band-Aid on there. And Teddy Bridgewater's a good Band-Aid type of quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of – there's a Van uh, Vic Fangio is a Band-Aid type of head coach. I mean, the whole thing is we have organizational problems, uh, or at least we did under uh, you know the tenure of John Elway. And let's see if we could bandage all these things and stay relevant. You got to admire. I kind of admire for trying and not just giving up and saying we'll tank, tank, tank. You got to admire them also in the first round this year. Not you know not being in love with one of these quarterbacks. Just not don't draft one. If it's, if it's not one of your guys, don't draft it. Draft the guy that's your guy. That's Pat Sertan, and he's probably going to make the Pro Bowl and be a, 
you know, rookie of the year, maybe candidate and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you gotta, I would say, um, you gotta admire the restraint that they're showing right now to try to build this the right way and find the right guy instead of just spin first round picks on quarterbacks until one of them hits. Well, when you got Drew Locke, you don't really need to look <laughs> oh, for anything man. else. Well, yeah. imagine if they had drafted, you know, Zach Wilson or, or something. I mean, but you could have drafted Justin Fields. But but also, like you know, it, you you also have to have guys around the quarterback. You you can't just draft even a good quarterback. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence, right? Like this was the most can't miss prospect. And I'm not I'm not saying he's going to be a bust or anything, but like you know, Mac Jones is having the best year of all the rookie quarterbacks. Because he has a coach and he has personnel around him. New England went all in on the offseason. And then you look at Trevor Lawrence, he is a bonehead for a coach and, and, <laughs> and he does he doesn't have a lot of a lot yeah. of stuff around him. So like I, I do think I, I agree with you. Like if you're not organi- organizationally ready to draft a quarterback too, like don't David Carr yourself into yes. anything either. So yeah. Exactly. Well they're interesting because they tried to get targets on offense. Uh, with Noah Fant in the first round a couple years ago, uh, Jerry Judy, and, and they also I think uh, they're trying to hurt. give give Drew Locke a chance. I think now they've convinced themselves, okay, Drew Locke's not the guy, but the next guy, we're not just going to go draft the next guy immediately. You know, they're going to kind of take their time, maybe sign a veteran if it becomes available. Last season, they should have picked somebody up. I mean, come on. Well, and they may be trying they to get try to get know, to try to get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Maybe they're holding out for Russell Wilson. Who knows? But see what happens with Kirk Cousins. Maybe which I mean that kind of feels like you're going back to the middle, but it's an upgrade over what you have. Yeah. Uh, but I look at their last few drafts. They have tried to make that offense be a little bit better, and that is still what's holding this team back. And the back half of the league and pretty much uh, all the big you know offensive stats. You know, and and at the top half of the league, and pretty much all the big defensive stats, and that's the same Denver team we've known for five or six years. And they tried to get. Uh, I mentioned Jerry Judy and, and KJ Hamler, who's hurt. Cortland Sutton in the second round a few years back. Obviously, they took Bradley Chubb that year when they were picking fifth. But like they've they've got weapons that are viable options. And Javante Williams, I really love that that draft pick at running back. I think he's a really good running back who should take over full time once Melvin Gordon finally runs out of gas. But that's not been their mo their way to win games is through defense and it's feels like it's perpetually been that i'm not worried at all about their offense even though tim patrick's even showed up and he's been really good fant fant not playing i do think is big but they've been also working albert o into the mix but like i don't know if this is i feel if you can do what you did last week to kirk cousins I think you can kind of do it to Teddy as well. And I do like Teddy, but Teddy, you kind of understand what you're dealing with a little more. It's a little more check down oriented. And he's not trying to throw it down the field as much as uh, maybe the, the Vikings would seem to at times, even though the Vikings numbers will show you, they're not throwing it down the field a ton. So I, I think that's where I kind of go, man, I don't think Denver's the type of team is going to go run it up 30 points on you again. And I don't know, maybe we shouldn't even talk about it like that given the performance of the defense last week against Minnesota. Well, and we shouldn't talk about it as well. Here's another team that's going to get a bunch of yards on you because Denver might still get a bunch of yards on you. They do have the weapons to do that. I don't know if they could string it together either. Let me, let me use one of my favorite Kevin KT Turner uh, sayings. Uh, and I've, I don't know if I've told you this KT, I've, I've been using this a lot in my everyday life outside of covering this football team is that uh, playing, oh. <laughs> playing with your food and I, uh, there always is the possibility that with this being a noon game, uh, it's the Broncos. They're not going to be 
uh, as up for that as a lot of these other games. It was very easy to see how you could be up for that game at New England, you know, at the Chargers, at Tampa Bay, Sunday night football against the Vikings, you know. They could come out and play with their food a little bit and make this a little bit more interesting in the first half. I still think, you know, I don't know that that I think that the Broncos are going to win this game. I'm just saying that there's something about those noon games for a team like the Cowboys who don't play very many noon games where it could start out a little bit like they might sputter a little bit early on. It might not be just the uh, blowout right away that, that some are expecting. Playing with their food. <laughs> But man, they played with their food against the Giants and doubled them up, like forty-four to twenty. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not saying that Denver's Denver's as bad as the Giants or anything. But I mean, remember that game, like just the way that that game started. You thought, okay, it'll be a lot closer, and by, by the end of the game, again, forty-four to twenty. Like, you know, I, I think Dallas is good enough to to still recover, even if they do let down early on. Do you think it would have been that bad though, if? let's say Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley don't get hurt in the first half. Like obviously the Cowboys, I'm not saying they wouldn't have still won that game and probably Mm -hmm. won it by a couple touchdowns. I just think the second half would have probably been a little bit more interesting. Yeah, probably. I think that both of those losses for them, I don't know if you want to say psychologically or whatever for the giants, but those are like two knockout blows right there to happen right before half. It was like, man, we just don't have anything going for us. I mean, talk about knockout blows. Broncos losing Vaughn Miller. (laughs) He's the heart and soul of that franchise for, I don't know, ever since he was drafted, right? That, yeah. that to me, this, this is like going to be a, a psychological hangover game for Denver is what it feels like. I mean, I don't Could know be. how they even feel like they're going to take the field without Von Miller in the locker room. It's just going to probably just be weird for them, I would think. Unless, no, no, I agree with you on that. And I, I've seen with that, yeah, definitely a thing that could make you come in a little down. But man, I'll tell you what would raise your your... Uh, at least to activate your senses real quick is if you get to Sunday and you're checking your you know Twitter feed or whatever and the inactives come out at 1030 and you go, you know what we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and play this smart and we're gonna hold Dak back one more week I still think and then you got another win. sorry go on well you, yeah. you think a Cooper Rush Cow, a Cow, a Cowboys team beats the Broncos I do again yep yeah yeah 100 and I also think that last week like not only did it inspire confidence in Cooper Rush but I also have some more confidence in the organization too because they if if you made the right decision in not playing Dak and and keeping that keeping that long-term picture in play against the Vikings on Sunday night football on the road like if I I believe you're going to make the right decision against the Denver Broncos too and I and I think that's one thing that I think the team yeah they rallied behind Cooper Rush and they played well but I think the organization also deserve. I like for me. I, I have confidence that they're not going to rush Dak out there, even though, like you know, John said, like he's probably going to play. But even if he doesn't, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm also I'm in a world here when I when I think about everything that we've put together here with the Cowboys. You've got a situation when you look at the schedule. Atlanta, too, appears to be a game where you're probably talking about a line. Would it shock you guys if the line was 9.5 or 10 against Atlanta? No. And then you get Kansas City. What do you think the line will be there? Or do we have to wait and see? Well, I don't even know if you can judge Kansas City off a Jordan Love game that you're going to get this Sunday now. That changes things. But, man, I watched Kansas City fart around with the Giants the other night, and you're like, man, now I don't even think that game's that. Like I'm now thinking like the Vegas game might be. 
the, the at New Orleans game typically always tough, but no Jameis now. It's a Trevor yeah, Simeon dude, game, like quite the, possibly. The stars like, dude, are aligning, no, uh, no pun intended. I just don't this like is, that you're switching from playing with your food to farting around. I just got used to using playing with your food. I'm not switching up to this now. Simultaneously. Damn. He farts while he plays with his food. <laughs> oh, man. We're just chasing our tail here. Oh, now we're going to do this? How many see, of these do you I would, say, I would say Cardinals at Cowboys January 2nd. That's the game to circle. That one has to get flexed, right? That's a nooner right now. Boy, yeah, but I also I wouldn't sleep on the Chiefs game just because yeah. at the point of the season and the fact that it's at Kansas City, like that normally you've seen it historically, like these good teams, especially with good coaches and good quarterbacks, like they start playing better after Halloween. Like that's just you've seen that with the, not just the Patriots, but you've seen it with uh, other teams as well. So I think, you know, at Kansas City, that, that's what the top two toughest environment to play in the NFL. Um, I, I wouldn't sleep on that. Guys, right. just to just to be clear here too, so you know, Bradley and I is back on the practice squad. Okay, I know you guys were concerned uh, about him getting released <laughs> the other day, and I know a lot of fans. This is one of my favorite things about Cowboys fans, and it's not obviously all of them, but just a select few. They love to find anything that can link it back to the '90s. And when Bradley and I got released, it was uh, it's because of that offsides and that special teams. So what Jimmy did, send you the asthma field, like, and it's like <laughs> no, it's just because they were getting to a level of where they're running out of spots on the roster and guys are coming back. And so the hope was, Hey, let's, you know, Bradley, you know, it's like one of those things you look at the roster and it's like, okay, who could we potentially let go that we could get back on the practice squad? And so that was their hope. And then, so just now I saw that uh, he is back on the practice squad. So uh, obviously Mike McCarthy, if you watch the game on TV, you know, the NBC broadcast kind of zeroed in on it real quick. He was not pleased that that was, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a, it's a bonehead penalty that lead that led to points in a, in a very low scoring close game. You don't want that. Um, but that wasn't the whole reason for, you know, or really even a major reason in why they, they made that move. It's, they need roster spots right now. Man, you, let's just have a little fun here because I, I, let's, let's say that Green Bay loses and uh, let's say that there's some ramifications to the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So let's, Let's take them out. So, so at this point in the discussion, Green Bay can't be the number one seed. The Rams' remaining schedule looks like this. Tennessee at San Francisco, at Green Bay, Jacksonville, at Arizona, Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore, San Francisco. That's tough. I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to lose one or two of those games. I look at the Cowboys game, and they're going to be the favorites in every stinking one of these games. And the Arizona schedule, if y'all want to go down that route too. It's pretty favorable to them. I was looking pretty at it earlier. Favorable. Yeah, like they already beat the Rams in LA, I believe, right? So then they get the Rams back and in, in, not that not that Arizona has this great home field advantage. They have the but Bears, you know Seahawks, hey, the Rams, yeah, in December. They've got the Colts, the Lions, the Seahawks again, and the Panthers. And they have to go to Dallas. That's obviously probably the toughest game they have. Well, but one of the Rams and Cardinals will beat up on each other. You've got the game in the hand on Arizona in Week 17. Yes, I, I don't think it's crazy that we're talking about resting starters in Week 17 and 18. If you want to go to that route, maybe you play a little bit. I, I, I think the Cowboys get this wrapped up pretty easy. Well, even if they don't, that, even if they don't get, I don't. For the record, I don't think that they are going to get the number one seed. I do think it's going to be either the Rams or Cardinals. But um, huh. and and I and I agree with you with the whole schedule thing too. I just have a I, just my gut feeling on this. Um, but with you saying that resting, it made me think of this. Like 
the way Mike McCarthy is with guys, the you know, um, the GPS stuff, how much he talks to us about how how much they're monitoring what guys are doing, how much they're monitoring guys that are injured. You just look at look at some of the time they've given guys. Like again, like let the action mm-hmm. speak for it. Look how much longer Neville Gallimore has been out than what you thought originally, what was originally projected for him. And believe me, I saw him today at practice pushing a weighted sled. Like obviously his elbow is got a brace on it. It's not going to be back 100% at any point in the season. But if they it was they were in dire situation they needed him, I think Neville Gallimore would be back. DeMarcus Lawrence was out on the courts today, but even him, like it's not like, oh yeah, he'll be back this week. They're still talking another two, three weeks for DeMarcus. Like it seems like Mike McCarthy really errs on the side of caution with these things. And so to your point, KT, even if it is close, like I, I just see down the stretch, if they know that they have a playoff spot locked up, which they obviously should, uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what he, what, what he does with guys like, Zeke, who you want to make sure he's as fresh as possible for the playoffs. Uh, Amari Cooper, who it always seems to be there if it's not a knee or an ankle, a hamstring. He plays through a lot of it, but you might want to try and see if you can get him back to 100%. Uh, as Saad pointed out with Trayvon Diggs, he's dealt with like a lot of things. Again, played through a lot of them, but there could be a you know that time later in the season where you see him trying to rest some of these guys or just significantly reducing their workload. Uh, Michael Gallup coming back, like that could be a time where they're like, Hey, you know, Cedric, Noah Brown, we're going to give them a little bit more work. You know, we want to try and rest some of these guys. So that's certainly in, in play because I got a piece coming out tomorrow. We're doing a, uh, you know, predictions for the rest of the season. And that's some of the stuff I was looking at when I was starting to factor in, like, you know, what do I think Amari Cooper's, you know, numbers will be at the end of the season or CD lamb. And I'm like, man, you got to factor in that they might not be playing a game like late because they might be resting these guys. I mean, that's certainly something that could happen. Yeah, and and by the way, I know I know we're talking about the Rams and the Cardinals, but I you know I wouldn't dismiss the Bucks as the number one seed either, just because sure. you you look at their schedule. Look at this they they got Washington, then the Giants, then the Colts, then the Falcons, then the Bills, which is a tough one, and then you got New Orleans in Tampa Bay, and then Panthers, Jets, Panthers. Like Man. you really really all you got is Buffalo. And, 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 you know, I know they just, they're coming off of a bad look, but that's look in new Orleans, like for some reason, Brady has struggled against new Orleans and and that was at at the Superdome. But other than the bills there, that's not really a tough schedule. They, they, and that was their second loss of the season. Obviously, if it comes down to Tampa Bay and Dallas, they have the tiebreaker too. So I wouldn't dismiss Tampa Bay as a number one seed either. I feel like 15 and two is going to get you the one seed. So, but if you tie, like, like, as you said, the tiebreaker, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, and Tampa Bay lost to the Rams. So, if the Rams, but as, as you pointed out, KT, the Rams and the Cardinals are going to beat up on each other a little bit. And that division is tough. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's still very much in play that Tampa Bay is in that, too. Okay, what if there's a three way tie? How do we break that? <laughs> too far, be, too far ahead be, of ourselves here. Whoever's got the best record in the NFC against NFC opponents. Oh, okay. Let's look at that right now. Because the Rams, <laughs> we're just having fun. The the Bucks lost to the Rams. The Cowboys yeah. lost to the Bucks. The Cardinals lost to the Packers. Uh, who did the uh, the Bucks lost too? So Bucks uh, lost to the Saints. I don't think you're gonna have to worry about because I do think that there's gonna be a team that only has two or three losses. And I think I, right now, I, I'm, my prediction is that the Cowboys end up with four losses. I don't think they're going to get it. I really don't. Three and one. Yeah, everyone's got one loss there of the top of the the guys who considered the teams who considered you know one uh, one seed contenders, and then you add, add in the Bucks who are two losses. Yeah, I, I think I think it's fun. 
to talk about that crap. I like the scoreboard watch too, though. That's just me. And I've also got the Broncos, even though they have some exciting players, I've and this is nothing new, just kind of in that boat of teams that just aren't that fun to watch. Like if they draw the Thursday night game or the Monday night game, you're kind of like, really? Man, that's, that's not a lot of fun. The, the Denver's just not, not a fun team. My, my, my Bronco memory, or my recent Bronco memory, and Cowboys lore, though, is that week two lightning delay where the Cowboys didn't show up to play in 2017, I think. Yeah, I remember yeah. that for the uh, Zeke play at the oh, very end Zeke, where Zeke they threw the bad. interception and Zeke didn't run back uh, and make an effort to try and get a tackle. He talked about that a little bit today, how that was a learning experience for him. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Who are your guys' favorite kind of classic, you know, 90s or 2000s Broncos player? You know, I, will, I will admit the Broncos are my favorite team um, in the AFC. So I, wow. I, 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 I consider myself a fan of the Broncos, so to speak. I don't get to watch a lot of their games because I'm covering the whole league and focusing on the Cowboys and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm big. I, I like the Broncos. I, um, I really liked them. They were the first team I really liked was the 90s Broncos. Terrell Davis was my favorite player. So I'll go with Terrell Davis, KT. Ah, TD. Yeah, for me, for me, it's pretty easy. I I was really big on Rod Smith, um, so I think that it's probably him or Delph O'Neal. I think uh, back in the day too. Okay. I've literally never liked the Broncos. I've never rooted for the Broncos. Uh, There's never been anything I've I've even thought was interesting about the Broncos aside from Jay Cutler. So that's the only thing I got. I can't (laughs) give anything. I feel like that's a personal attack, John. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I played a little fullback in my time, so I was a big Howard Griffith fan. But man, they, when they used to run out the punter Tom Ruin, I would just really get excited. Uh, that guy could bomb it, and I always uh, appreciated a guy who could bomb it. You know, Bryce Anger's been fine. Are we, we're happy with Anger. Now, the Zerline thing, what do you think? There's no, nothing's going to change here. He's going to miss one again. He's going to miss an early kick in the first half. He's going to get it together in the clutch, and then we're good. Yeah, as long as he makes those 56-yarders when the time expires like he did in SoFi Stadium, I I think they're going to just keep rolling with him. Um, Nah, I just – this is a John Fossil thing. I just don't see John Fossil going in another direction. And then, yeah, I I just think it's going to be one of those things where every every kick you're just kind of like, well, here we go. Who knows what's going to (laughs) happen here? So I, I just I don't get the sense at all from anybody that I've talked to that they're they're gonna they're on the uh, edge of possibly bringing in kickers and finding you know replacements and things like that. I just I, I don't I don't get that feeling at all. Yeah, but again, John, to your to your point about the trade deadline with the tackles, like who are you gonna bring in? The entire right. league sucks. Like right. like Justin, there's Justin Tucker, and then like again, I think there is some. Uh, some like uh, recent memory where you know Dan Bailey was so automatic for so many years, you kind of forgot about worrying about the kicker. But now you're just kind of where the rest of the NFL is, and it's not like it's not like Zerline's like below average. Like that's the thing; he's kind of just average. Um, like that's, and, and I'm not saying he's good, but like the rest of the league isn't very good either. So um, yeah. I, I think that's the I just, problem. I just look at it as from a again, we're looking too far down the road, but. Uh, if you're putting all these teams together in the NFC, I feel better about all the kickers other than, or I feel better about their kickers than I do the Cowboys. I mean, whether we're talking the top teams, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Rams, 
and Packers. I feel better about their kickers than I do about Greg Zerline. Mason Crosby doesn't do it for you? No, I think I feel I would feel better with Mason Crosby than I would with Greg Zerline, wouldn't you? Yeah, the only I mean, yeah. the, the Mason Crosby's had those games where you're just kind of like scratching your head, like, how's he miss? I don't know. He had that one against Detroit. I don't know if it was oh last year or the year before that, where it was just like Get it was almost like what? Yeah, yeah. Is, is someone steal his uniform? Is that really him in the in there? But like he's hit so many big kicks for them. And and whenever any of the issues are mentioned with Greg Zerline, that is what Mike McCarthy always goes to is that hey, he's kick kicks, put teams in Super Bowl. So but but, but everything it, it, this might be a, a bad question because I, but it's middle of the year. I think it's fair to ask this. Are they happy with what they've gotten out of the punter? And they're happy with, you know, the long snapper and all that stuff. I mean, the yeah, Packers, yeah. the Packers just released their long snapper. Like oh, they're, no, no, they're, they're all their good special with all teams are stuff. so bad. Like they're trying to like figure all that crap out. And Alan Lazard's like having to play special teams because they don't have anyone who could cover a kickoff. Like if Crosby doesn't bomb it, like, are they happy with the overall outlook of the special teams outside of the, the Zerline weekly first quarter shank? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I would say right now the only things that should concern you as a Cowboys fan, I would say my top five in no particular order would be the big plays that they give up on defense. Mm-hmm. It would be the up and down of Greg Zerline, never really knowing for sure. Uh, and then it would be uh, feeling a little nervous about that left side of the offensive line now that Tyron's going to mm-hmm. miss some time. Um so those three would probably be the only things that I would say that they're really, they really have much concern about because even as the defense as a whole, like they don't look at the defense, like it's a finished product. It's, you know, it's got other players on the way. Like how good could the pass rush be with Micah, DeMarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory? I mean, it could be, it could be elite. And, uh, and so, yeah, so they feel good about pretty much everything, but it, Greg Zerline is in that mix. If you're going down your top five concerns for this Dallas Cowboys team, I think Greg Zerline has to be in there. Yeah. No, I would agree. Uh, let's get our picks here. Um, we got uh, a nooner here on Sunday. Again, as I mentioned earlier, the line around ten points. Uh, we all got we all got wins last week. But when we recorded the podcast, we were we were making picks, assuming that Dak would play. Right? We were, we were, that's how we decided it was kind of our criteria, and we all picked the Cowboys to win. And Kent actually was closer to the correct store as he. I was, the I was very scared. 15 to 11. Yeah, I was very scared when it was 16 13 that we were going to be very close to my weird prediction. But I did nail the spread, I will say. Four I points. do think it's it's another week that the Cowboys hold Denver to, uh, or hold their opponent to under 20 points. Uh, I'm going with the very popular score Dallas 34 and Denver 17. Are we picking with, da- with assuming Dak's playing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree that Dallas is going to hold Denver below 20. Actually, honestly, Denver is going to hold Denver below 20. And I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with 42, 42 to 14. Wow. Yeah. An ass kicking. Ass kick. John? Uh, 31-17, regardless of who plays quarterback. So you're basically saying Dak and Cooper Rush are the same guy. Yes, that there's going to be a serious competition the following week. They're going to be splitting snaps. No, uh, I do believe Dak will start. I think it, I think the Cowboys win 31-17. But I, I'm telling you, I don't think it's going to be that great early on. I think it's going to be a sloppy game early. Go on. Yeah, go. I can see that. 
I was to say football is a meritocracy, and then yeah, you know, yeah, hold the yeah. press conference and you did the th- Dak's Cooper, do the thing. Cooper played well last week. Let's just see what we got here. Let's give him. Him, he's coming off a hot second half. Let's let's ride with this thing. Gosh, threw a nice, threw a nice fade ball, threw a nice, threw a nice deep ball off Brashad uh, Breland's uh, shoulder pad. Let's keep rolling with this. Dax and prompt two week thirteen press conference. I'm not looking forward to that. It's going to be <laughs> too emotional. <laughs> Man, uh, uh, Kent, what is your wacky prediction for this game? <laughs> In honor of former Bronco and Cowboy Demarcus Ware, Cowboys are going to put up 94 for him. So it's be 94. To 17. Oh, you know what? Now that you said that, I have to. I lied my, with my earlier statement. I did root for the Broncos in that Super Bowl, the one with, with Vaughn and uh, DeMarcus. And was it Cam against? Newton. It, was against it was against yeah. Carolina. 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 Yeah. Vaughn yeah. blew up Cam Newton on the first play or whatever. I've always liked Peyton. I've always been a Peyton Manning fan. So, I mean, that's. I don't think of that as being what you were talking. What were you saying? You said '80s, '90s, though, didn't you say KT? Like you said, the Elway era. Is that uh, what you're I, said, about? I said '90s or 2000s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've always liked Peyton. I've always liked Demarcus Ware. So, yeah, I, I did root for him then. I just, I was thinking of like '90s, like even as a Lions fan, I still was rooting for the Packers when they played the Broncos in the Super Bowl. That's wild. Yeah, that's no wild way. to me. Not me. Yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I don't know why. I just didn't like Elway. I, I was always like as I was my, always as a, a Joe as Montana a guy. Fan, I could never root for the Packers. There's no, so I had to, I had to find a team because I couldn't like the Cowboys because that was the team my parents liked. You know, right? You gotta, you get, kids got to have their own independent thoughts. So yeah, Broncos. We we always went to Colorado every year, um, skiing. Like so, it was basically my second home was Colorado. So I adopted the the uh, the next most regional team to Dallas. One I did thing. not. Oh, go on. Uh, I, I didn't like the Broncos because they gave Tom Brady his first playoff loss of his career in 2005. That was that was yeah. when Champ Bailey, you know, ran it down and Ben Watson lit him up at the one yard line. Um, but yeah, that, that that was my reason. But I played with them in Madden because Jake the Snake, you know, he was he was solid. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, because the Cowboys lost the turnover battle in this game for the first time in, in a long time to nothing, and they still were able to win. I started doing some research about like most takeaways, things like that, whatever. Do you know when that 81 game between the Cowboys and the 49ers, when Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone, the 49ers turned the ball over six times and still won that game. Six times. Joe Montana threw three interceptions and lost a fumble. So he had four on on his own. Six times. That year... The Cowboys fo- forced 53 takeaways. 53. 53? Yes. That's, that's just the way the NFL, I mean. I know, but it's just couldn't like. couldn't throw. They were running the ball all the time. Well, and then also, let's, I mean, let's be fair here. Uh, you do anything now on in, in the back end of the defense, and it's a flag. Like, they were clearly back then. You could light some dudes up and get a lot of picks yeah, that way I mean, because was, you were scared on the back end. But six takeaways and you lose the game like i just think about like going to all these mccarthy press conferences like after games on mondays like they always start with like turnover battle turnover battle turnover yeah mike what'd you think about you guys winning the turnover battle <laughs> battle with six and then still losing this this game that could have sent you to the super bowl like six takeaways and you don't win like i just feel like it's emphasized so much more now that like oh my god six takeaways that feels that, like the I, bucks game at the beginning of the year right Right. Yeah, but that two th- that nineteen eighty one year wasn't that like Everson Walls is like yep. rookie year or something where he like 
Well, like, because I remember, you know, he, his name obviously coming up with Trayvon Diggs now. Like, I think he had 11 that he had like 11 yeah, picks 11. that year or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, that, that was. Uh, and they, had, they, had, they had another player had nine. I mean, they, they were, I mean, 53 takeaways in a season. There's like, a lot less finesse in the NFL in 1981 than in 2021, yeah. I think. You it's, know? Uh, it's just the way it's yeah. just a, the game is just everybody's hitting the balls flying everywhere. I mean, I just I imagine <laughs> that's what the case was. Maybe it was muddy. I don't know. Yeah, bad balls that are slippery, yeah. you know. No, I don't get. I, I don't. The the takeaways are fine. I'm just saying, if you get six, and don't I do not win that game. Like, how is it even close <laughs> at the end? For it's uh, terrible. Like, yeah. like Everson Walls had like I think, I think Everson Walls intercepted two passes and recovered a fumble in that game. <laughs> Here's a Everson bonus. Walls got posterized on that uh, on that Dwight Clark. Right. Uh, and that, yeah, but he got too. on the Sports Illustrated cover because of that. Man, crazy man. Fifty three well, takeaways. We will uh, be uh, in touch on uh, Sunday after the game. We will talk. And then, yeah, obviously, Monday morning, this will be out for everyone uh, who subscribes to The Athletic. Keep following all of John's work this week here on The Athletic. Keep uh, keep an eye on old Saad, too, uh, the beat reporter for those Dallas Stars. Um, and uh, also, uh, shout-out to the Rolling Stones for keeping it going. Yeah, a bunch, hey. bunch of old dudes. What, before it. we... Where we go here, we're a couple weeks away, maybe a week away from the official announcement. Final picks for halftime. Red kettle kickoff. Oh, Thanksgiving. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jason Derulo. What? You still oh, think it's going to be Jason Derulo? I didn't say still. My original was the baby. That's I still definitely not going to be the baby now. <laughs> well, I, I and I know that, but I'll, I'll I'll have something. I'll have something fixed. I think my original it. pick was was a Dua Lipa or Demi Lovato. I'm I'm flexing my pick to Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, that that would that's too big of a get that's for too big. Say. you. Oh, you that's, aim way too high. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's too big. I, she just I, I went, she just came out this year. Yeah, but it's she's like big. she's like. Uh, I mean, it's uh, her music is every. Yeah, I, I went bad. with yeah. I went I went with. Uh, what, what's her name? Marin Morris? Marin Morris? Marin Morris, yeah. Yeah, Marin Morris. That's my pick. I'm trying You're to shooting remember. for Michael Jackson, and you need to come down to the creed <laughs> Michael Jackson? You guys. <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. You Marin, Morris has, Marin Morris has sold way more records than, than Olivia Rodrigo. You did say Dua Lipa, You though, said Dua that Lipa. That is definitely that's, not happening. That's, that's way uh, too Dua big. Dua Lipa is not, not um, too big. Yes, Dua is. Lipa is closer no, dude, to the Super Bowl halftime show. They've had she is. Trainer. She's on that. Dua Lipa is Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa is very is attractive, bigger, but Olivia Rodrigo is bigger than any of them right now. Yeah, yeah. But, but but like Dua Lipa is, I think, closer to the Super Bowl halftime show than Cowboys Thanksgiving. But Selena Gomez. I mean, oh yeah, Selena really, Gomez is a good really one. Yeah, one. I forgot yeah, about but that. Selena Selena's from Grapevine, so yeah, that is a good one. Did I not type this up? Didn't I type these up? I can't find it. I don't understand how they don't just do a forever the sickest kids reunion. Oh my God! Bring no, them we back. We already did the Lions <laughs> halftime show. We we uh, we retired our, our halftime show appearance. Well, bring it back. <laughs> yeah, do the same show. Lions Packers. Oh, uh, can I guess who won? Packers. I think the Lions <laughs> snuck that one out. <laughs> no, I can guarantee you they didn't. I remember I remember uh, uh, going to that game and seeing Dante Culpepper was the backup for the Lions at that point. And I was like, I just remember thinking, you're still in the league, man? Yeah, you're like, you're like I remember seeing <laughs> Dante Culpepper as the backup and thinking, 
this team might lose every game. Yeah. And then they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty sad. That came, what, like two years? Out? Yeah, that was Who's your pick, KT? Crazy. Well, I forgot who I picked, though, because I want to st- stick with whatever I stuck with at I the think beginning you picked, of the year. I think you picked corn. No, I didn't pick corn. <laughs> Come on. I, I did. We I mean, we did this. Like, I wrote it down. I know. I know. I can't remember. And I'm losing my paper, and I'm losing my mind. Hold on. There's no way anybody's still listening to this. No, they are. They're, they're, they're locked in. They <laughs> I think you said Black Pumas, KT. You did say Black Pumas. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Possibility. Oh, I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. Wow, maybe it was the Black Crow like six okay. months ago. Okay, so this was. Where did you find that? This was five <laughs> on my floor. This oh my is um, May tenth, May tenth, twenty twenty one. Oh my lord! <laughs> it's a sheet is, of paper. What else on your floor? Oh my floor. Six months ago. Okay, here were the actual picks. John picked Da Baby, which think about what we He's know about Da Baby so. now. <laughs> John's pick has <laughs> utterly failed. I mean, if you didn't know now. So, okay, so you got a chance to change it, John. Who is your real pick now? Let me think about it. This is, this is tough for me to get I'll, past. I'll KT, you your second. pick was Alec Baldwin, and that was... I mean, no, oh, my weird. God, it just keeps getting worse. Okay, Kent, Kent, you went with Demi Lovato, so you get to keep that, but who's your other pick? Is I said Olivia I wanted Rodrigo? to flex it for Olivia Rodrigo. Yes. Well, that's not allowed because she was my A pick. I actually oh, picked she Olivia was. Rodrigo. Okay, sorry about yes. that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, so, uh, you get it. You can have a B pick though. Uh, and Sade I'll and stick with. Uh, I'll stick with uh, Dua Lipa. Okay, Dua Lipa. So you're saying I'm consistent? I had Marin Morris six months ago. Still got her now. Okay, you're gonna go Marin Morris, yep. and then who's your B pick though? Uh, you can get a wild card option here. We're gonna let give you another one. Okay, um, I'll go with I don't know Casey Musgraves. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Stacy Casey. I by the way, I love Casey Musgraves. Her her new album's fire. It um, is. Olivia Rodrigo. I mean, it's not as good as her last album, but it's okay. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. I'll say what Kent said earlier. They. Um, Announced picks at the NFL draft. Um, the guitar player, who I ostensibly know, Adrian, uh, announced the Oso Digizuwa pick. I'll take the Black Pumas. It's kind of my B pick. They, I would be very excited by that, but I, I just don't think. I don't either. Basically, the Jones family, like the kids of the Jones family, are the ones who kind of vet the choices. So yeah. I don't know if they would. Black Pumas would be in their zeitgeist, but who knows? All right, uh, a big one for you here, John. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like they got to go country. That's what I. That's literally what I did. I was it country uh, last year? I think. I think they usually go like every other year. It's what it's it was kind of. Kane a, Brown it was last, Kane Brown last year. year. Okay, and then that's it was, why I went uh, pop this year. Yeah, Ellie Goulding so, the year before that. Luke Combs is that a possibility? Uh, that's he, a great pick, dude. That is a great pick. That Luke, Luke Combs. Com- I don't know who that is. Uh, I'm going to go with Luke Combs or Willie Nelson. I know Luke Combs <laughs> because he was on Saturday Night Live. And the thing about Luke Combs is what I found over time is that apparently he's kind of popular. So that's a good pick. So the updated halftime show uh, predictions, John has DeBaby and Luke Combs. Oh, DeBaby. <laughs> DeBaby featuring <laughs> Luke Combs, hopefully. Kid has Demi Lovato and Dua And Lupa. Willie Nelson. Sada is Marin Morris and Casey Musgraves. 
and I've got Olivia Rodrigo and the Black Pumas. So, well, we'll talk more about this once the announcement comes out. Um, for everyone that's been a part of this one, and for you, the listener, who we love so much, uh, we will talk to you a little later in the week after Cowboys and Broncos. For Saad Youssef, for Father John Mashoda, for Kent Garrison, I'm KT, and this has been another episode of About Them Cowboys. I didn't say duh, baby. I said bad, baby.